Hello, and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have a packed show for you today. We are reviewing a Golden Globe nominee for Best Picture, Promising Young Woman, starring Carrie Mulligan. Today is National Pizza Day, so we're going to get you all caught up on our favorite pizza scenes in movies. And we've got Golden Globe nominations. we got Tom Holland saying some preposterous things. We're going to get into all kinds of stuff and what's popping. So we got no time to waste. Let's jump right in. Thank you for joining us on this wonderful, wonderful Wednesday, I guess, if you're listening to it right now. Um, if you're listening to it when we first dropped it, it'd be Wednesday, February 10th. We're recording this on February the 9th. With me, as always, your fabulous co-hoke, co-hoke, co-hoke? Co-hoke, yeah, that's me. Cowpoke, co-hoke, your co-host, <laughs> Mr. Kirk. Hello, I am Mr. Kirk. How's it, it going, nice man? to meet you. <laughs> yes, as as we're just being weird today, Cohoke, Mr. Kirk, I don't know what's happening. This is off to an interesting start. Um, how's it going, man? Good? It, it's going well. It is super late recording tonight. and I like it. That That is my fault entirely. It's uh, okay. Kick the night off with just absolute chaos of, of, a, of a late night. Had to have pizza for dinner. Oh, I like it. I like and it. And just antics ensued so here we are here we are yeah it's a good point um i like the late night recording it makes me it makes me feel like um i don't know it's almost like whenever you stay up late in college you're like pulling an all-nighter you get like before you crash and you start rethinking your whole life you have that like few hours where you're like ah i feel so alive i'm like this, i'm doing a thing that's what that's what this feels like yeah, it helps that with the giant bright lights blasting against our faces. Yes, I think that is good. That is helpful. Um, I think you mentioned pizza. Today's National Pizza Day. It's it's a toughie because today's also also Taco Tuesday. Um, so it's like, what do you do? Do you have tacos for lunch, pizza for dinner? I mean, I think pizza National Pizza Day comes once a year. You know, it's like Christmas. So right, right. You, you can let one Taco Tuesday slide, I would think, in order to partake in the holiday celebrations, which it sounds like you did. I did. I did. I uh, had some DiGiorno stuffed crust pepperoni. Ooh. Mm. I didn't know you were bougie like that, Kirk, with the, with the stuffed crust. You know, it's it's an $8 pizza at home. But... <laughs> it's an $8 frozen pizza. <laughs> $8, $9, depending on if there's a sale. Okay. Worth every penny, though. I'm sure it was absolutely delicious. It was real good. It was real good. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Um, <laughs> here's something sad. <laughs> let's just let's just go with sadness. Um, this this time last year, we were watching the Oscars. It was the Oscars oh. on this day last year, um, which I guess isn't that sad. We will still get the Oscars this year. Um, it'll have a little bit of a different flavor just because the movie industry was just destroyed by COVID. I still think we'll have a good slate of nominees, but it won't be like last year where of course, parasite won the day. Um, walking Phoenix saved me from having to get a tattoo. Um, it was a, it was a very celebratory day indeed. 
Yeah, uh, it's it's hard to believe that a we have to wait until April, April to see the Oscars. Right. That's not fair. That's a long and, way away. You know, I was I'm just like getting ready for the Golden Globes. That's how far behind we are and I'm just thinking of how many uh Golden Oreos I ate last oh, year. Don't remind me. Not the Golden Oreos. That was that was easily one of the worst ideas we've ever had. I it mean, was. It, it was so bad. It was. I just threw it out there. I'm like, you know what? Every every <laughs> entry we get incorrect, we need to eat a golden Oreo. And I ate somewhere about 26 golden Oreos in three hours. I was supposed to eat like 22 and I tapped out after like seven. Seriously. I was like, yep. I, I can't do it. I was like about to puke. So we need to come up with a non-food challenge for this year's Golden Globes. We could. Or we could just come up with a food challenge that isn't like rich and sugary and will ruin your entire life. Like maybe something mm. salty. I don't know. Okay. Let's let's think on it. I think there are, you know, we could go like Golden Arches. That's McDonald's. We could do McDonald's. Uh, we'll gain so much weight. All the cheeseburgers. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't want to speak things into the universe without giving it proper thought. I should. I should learn my lesson from last time for sure. But well, that was we're, we're still young. That was interesting, and yeah, it is weird when I got the like one year ago today notifications of like. Um, me like watching Joaquin Phoenix win and like all the parasite stuff. Uh, I was like that, that can't be right. Cause we just got the golden globe knobs, but everything's pushed back. So it is correct. The golden globe nominations are here. We're going to dig into that and, and what's popping. We got some, we'll kind of talk about what we saw at the golden globes with the nominations, what our thoughts are, what are we surprised about for better or worse? And uh, we'll, we'll wrap on that for a little bit. And then we're going to be reviewing a film called Promising Young Woman, um, which is an A24 film and starring Carrie Mulligan, who's fantastic. She's an excellent actor, um, award winning. She was nominated actually as a, a Golden Globe Best Actor um, in a leading role. So that's that's exciting. And so we'll dig into that. And then we will wrap up the show celebrating National Pizza Day with the best pizza scenes in movies. This is one I'm really excited about because, you know, like, I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, every once in a while, there's a food scene in a movie that just hits different. You're just like, oh, my God, that looks so good. <laughs> and I don't know, but as I was looking at, like, potential contenders, like, so many different scenes came to mind, and that's just pizza. Like, I know there are movies with, like, like I think about Pulp Fiction with the cheeseburger. There's like a really good cheeseburger cheeseburger scenes. We could do a whole schoolyard pick on that. Like there's just some really great ones. Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think it's you're like, wow, uh, is that real food or is it, you know, <laughs> how they make like model images for, yeah. for the menu items with like glue and whatever? Or is it the fact that you know that these actors don't eat anything when they're filming and just the joy in their eyes? <laughs> uh, it's just like it, it lights a fire in you through the screen. So I don't know. It, it might be both. It might be both. Yeah. And I think we'll probably get into it, too. And this is like at the risk of sounding creepy. It's sometimes how the actor eats the pizza, too, like or mm -hmm. eats the food that they're like the way that they attack or hold the food makes you like really hungry. It's, yes. it's very bizarre, but it's true. Um, so that's going to be a fun one. But I think because it's late and because we want to get the show on the road, we got lots to talk about. We're going to have a lot of conversation about this movie. I think, I think we're going to talk a lot about promising young woman. Um, so I think we should probably get into what's popping. What do you say, Kirk? Let's do it. 
All right. Kicking it off, as I mentioned, is the Golden Globe nominee's 78th annual Golden Globes. Of course, the Golden Globes are an interesting award show in the sense that you get film as well as television mixed together. So it's like it's like the Oscars, but not as good as the Oscars, and the Emmys, but not as good as the Emmys, and they're crammed together. And <laughs> you always get some weird nominations. This is one of those shows where... It feels more like a big party than it does like a serious um, academic scholastic analysis. You know, it's just more like who do we like the most kind of thing. But let's dig into the nominations and let's just talk about kind of what we're surprised about. I can read some of the categories, but I don't want to read all of them because that we've done that before and it's excruciating. Um, So let's start with the big categories. Best motion picture drama. We've got. The Father, which is Anthony Hopkins. Uh, Mank, which is a movie that we reviewed on this podcast. Nomad Land, Promising Young Woman, which we're uh, reviewing today, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Any surprises there? Any movies you're surprised to see or surprised to not see in that category? Oh, man. It's hard because I watch like eight movies a week at least. So I'm like running through the index of my mind and I have... No idea what I'm missing right now. Uh, I mean, I would say, you know, later on this list, we see The Sound of Metal is nominated. uh, Yeah. Which is a fantastic movie out from Amazon Studios. I just thought that was an incredible film and a little disappointed that's not in here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was surprised to not see Ma Rainey, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I was surprised to not see De Five Bloods. Um, Now, granted, I haven't seen The Father and I haven't seen Nomadland yet because Nomadland isn't available to watch yet. That's coming February 19th on Hulu. Um, The Father, I'm not sure of. I think the other three films are deserving, but I think I would have probably had... Honestly, I probably would have had Ma Rainey and The Five Bloods ahead of Trial of the Chicago 7, personally. Um, even though I think that movie was good and maybe even Mank, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting category, but I think that maybe some people got left out. I think I would have also thrown in the crisis papers and funny places (laughs) to pause in this category. Hey, that day is coming. Our day, our day in court will, will come. We'll be like 60 years old by then, but it'll be well worth it. You know what I love? People who have just who have never listened to our podcast before, they're suddenly Googling, like, what are these movies? The Crisis I Papers. I missed that one. They don't exist. They're so, <laughs> like, avant-garde that they don't exist. That's right. The face of the Way earth. underground. You guys don't even know. You have to, like, <laughs> you have to go to a dark alley and meet, like, some Slovenian guy in order to even <laughs> get your hands on these movies. You don't even know. It's, it is hard to access. So, um, sorry if you're not in on that. Um, next category. This is the dumbest. This is, I make fun of this every year. I feel obligated to, um, the comedy or musical category. So instead of doing one best picture category, they break everything up into best motion picture drama and then best motion picture comedy or musical, which has led to some pretty weird things over the years, like the Martian being nominated as a comedy, um, and, and winning and winning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Damon even joked about that. Like the hilarious comedy, the Martian. <laughs> so we get weird stuff like that. Um, but the musical or comedy, uh, category, we've got Borat subsequent movie film, Hamilton music, which was that film directed by Sia. I've not gotten a chance to see that yet. Palm Springs. And then the prom, what are your thoughts on this category? Kirk? 
uh, this is easy. Hamilton will blow everyone else out of the water. It's, yeah, it it's should. That simple. Um, if you were ranking them, it would go Hamilton, Palm Springs, hands down. I don't know. There was so much hate uh, about the prom because of uh, misrepresentation and just overall terrible script, which is sad because some of the producers of that film are from the STL. That's right. Shout out to St. Louis. Uh, actually, I know one of the producers. Uh, my wife, uh, your sister, worked for him, one of the producers on this film and, and the play, the musical that came before it. So it's sad. It's a sad day that that is getting some sort of accolades. Uh, just really shows you what elbows people are, are bumping to make this happen and get awards for. Cause it's yeah, all it was not a good lot. movie. It was not a good movie. I'll just yeah, say that's right. that you watched I it. watched it. I was excited about it for all the reasons that you said it was a, you know, a really hot musical, um, you know, won won some Tony awards and was sort of the talk of the town for a while there. It got the movie. We got Meryl Streep. We got, um, Nicole Kidman. Like I was excited. I was, I was yeah. genuinely excited. The STL connections. And then, I watched it and I was like, wow, this is actually quite bad. The, you know, like the fact that James Corden is nominated is shocking. Uh, we'll get to that. That's, I mean, truly shocking. And just, yep. I, I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin with that one. And the fact that this movie's nominated is an indictment of the entire category. <laughs> and there's always a few nominations that just totally put a giant asterisk on the golden globes. And this is one of those, this is one of those where you're just like, Oh yeah, the globes suck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And this is that just showcases that. So the prom, um, I'm trying to think if anything got left out, I don't really think so. Not a big year for comedy. I'll tell you that much, man. Um, no, everyone's sad. So 2020 running sad stuff. <laughs> 2020 was not a year for comedies. I'm interested at Hamilton's nomination. This this is weird to me. Can it can it be nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars too? Like, is that possible? It should. Uh, we we talked about this when we reviewed it, and yeah. I think it absolutely should be eligible because it is a film. It is a film of a staged film of a staged play, but it wasn't just the staged play, right? They took very careful uh, steps to making sure that it was different. Uh, yeah. Very carefully blocked uh, choreography and uh, just, just stage direction that, that made it more of a film than anything else. And yeah, I think it, I think it qualifies and uh, who knows? I don't know if it'll get a best picture nod at the Oscars, but it would be yeah. crazy cool if it did. I don't know how I feel about it. Like it's just so it's just, it was very good. Obviously, I loved it. But, like, it's just, it's not what I think of when I think of a best picture movie. Like, it just, it's, I almost would put it in the documentary category. I know that's weird because it's not a doc. But it's, like, a filming of a live performance, you know? It's just a very different sort of thing. I mean, I guess it's not much different than doing, like, a true one-shot movie, kind of. But, um it is at the same time. It's it's very bizarre, but I hope it wins. I mean, especially like I I don't have strong emotional ties to the rest of the movies in in this category. I liked Palm Springs. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to check out Borat yet, which I really need to get onto. And um, the prom was terrible. So I, th <laughs> I think if I had to pick one right now, I would pick Hamilton for sure. Um, so that'll be an interesting category to keep an eye on. I think here's one here's one that I want to key in on just to get your reaction here. Some really funny nominations. Um, Mr. Jared Leto. 
who we, well, let's talk about this. So the little things we reviewed this movie last week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the episode, none can, I'll just say this. I had to, I gave Rami Malek best actor in that movie here's the important point. Just because I did that doesn't mean that he was good because they were all bad. Like (laughs) the point that I made was that he had some good scenes at the end of the movie, but the rest of the movie, he was totally out of place. And I mentioned that he was totally miscast. He was not good. Jared Leto was not good. I don't even really think Denzel Washington was good personally. And so to see Jared Leto nominated, I like saw some people defending this nomination and I just cannot wrap my head around that at all especially like considering some of the people who are nominated alongside him i'm just like how like how (laughs) and also how i i just do not understand how that happens it's a farce it's an absolute farce that he was nominated i don't know why people give him the time of day (laughs) yeah so he's nominated alongside sasha baron cohen um, for the trial of Chicago seven, which he was brilliant in that movie. He was really good. Mm-hmm. He's nominated alongside Daniel Kaluuya, who is in Judas and the black Messiah, which is coming out this weekend, actually on Friday, the 12th, um, Bill Murray from on the rocks, which that movie was so, so, but Bill Murray was good. And Leslie Odom jr. From one night in Miami, who was really good. So I'm just like there, I know that somewhere out there, there is a performance that was better. <laughs> Than Jared Leto, I know with absolute certainty there were probably many performances that were better. So I just do not understand at all. I mean, leaps and bounds. I could just scroll through Netflix of 2020 and just say that one, that guy, without even like just looking at the the poster. Like I bet he was better. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not even gonna watch the movie. Like mm, that guy's probably better. Let's nominate him. Yeah, and it would be accurate. It's that simple. I just I can't. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things. Other things I was surprised about. Um, I was surprised to not see Judas and the Black Messiah nominated. Granted, I haven't seen the movie, but it's getting a ton of buzz. And I've heard lots of good things about it. So I was surprised not to see that film nominated. Um, once again, The Five Bloods was shocking to me. I still think that's way up there for um, one of the best films of all of 2020. I thought it was very good. And... My Rainey's Black Bottom didn't get nearly as much love as I thought. Just the acting nominations, I was very surprised by that. And so I just wonder how indicative of the Oscars this will really be, you know. Um, Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. I think this year it's probably not going to be because I don't really see any of those movies in the comedy or musical category getting nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars unless maybe Hamilton. But I don't Mm -hmm. see Borat getting nominated. And in the drama category, I think it's possible that all those films get nominated, but um, even still that leaves, what, five slots for for other movies at the Oscars. So it'll be interesting to see how predictive this actually is. Yeah, a couple of things that got no love. I'm scrolling through all the movies we reviewed. Um, Enola Holmes, nothing. Nothing, Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, Tenet, nothing. I know, surprised by Tenet. Because that's the kind of movie, that's one of those blockbuster movies that you would see get some love at the Golden Globes and not at the Oscars, you know? But I mean, compared to some of these other movies, it is surprising to see that one left out. I'm just I'm just shocked by those ones in general. Um, Eurovision? No will for, for <laughs> <what>? <laughs> Honestly, dude, um, 
like that and the prom are like <laughs> comparable in my like book. Like why why isn't Eurovision in there I for mean, best musical? Come on. If the prom can get nominated, Eurovision could for sure get could for sure get nominated, <laughs> honestly. Goodness. So No no Ben Affleck. Sorry, I'm going through our list. I know no Ben things. Affleck the way back. I was surprised by that too. Um cuz he he's definitely been on some Oscar shortlists that I've seen, like on Gold Derby and stuff like that. I was I was pretty surprised by that in general. Um, I don't know. It's it's really an odd, it's really an odd odd thing, <laughs> right? And like you said, the Sound of Metal, the Sound of Metal was really good, um, and just like, you know, what's a movie that I could see getting nominated at the Globes that I was surprised didn't it was Hillbilly Elegy, actually. Um, mm. I did not like that movie. Uh, we didn't review it, did we? No, but we both watched it. I was not a fan. <laughs> there were some really bad acting performances, but it seemed like one of those movies, like almost like a, um, extremely loud and incredibly close type of thing where like, it's not good, but it somehow gets nominated just because people thought it was going to be good. And so it's sometimes I wonder if the Hollywood Foreign Press Association actually watches the movies or they just watch the trailers and they're like, Ooh, that looks good. Yeah. So like, I don't have time for that, but that <laughs> I rate with an A. Yes. Put them in, put them in. That's yeah. how they talk. They all talk like that. I think they do. I think you're pretty spot on there. Um, yes. Jared Leto. Hmm. He looks creepy. He's won yeah. an Oscar, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, Anyway, we will reluctantly watch the Globes. We'll do something fun. We'll figure something out. We'll, well, it's not going to be Golden Oreos, that's for sure. In fact, we were at, um, both of us actually were at my parents' house for the, <laughs> for the Super Bowl on Sunday, which, speaking of things that sucked, the Super Bowl was <laughs> awful. That game was so lame. Me and my sisters and my wife were, like, playing Phase 10 <laughs> while the game's happening because it was so boring. Um, but... There were golden Oreos on the table, double stuffed. And I was like, who dared bring these into this home? You are a disgusting and vile creature. And, it, and I was shocked to learn that it was actually my parents, which like that is not a purchase decision they would normally make. So that was, uh, I was not expecting to see those there. And my stomach turned over about 10 times as soon as I saw them. So we have to find something different. Maybe French fries. Like McDonald's French fries are definitely gold. My only problem is that I'll just want to eat them all. Like to take one bite at a time <laughs> over the course of three hours. No, it it'll be every disgusting. one you get wrong. You have to eat an entire medium thing of French fries. That <laughs> so we need to buy potentially how many categories are there? We need to buy Lots. Like, like 80. Yeah. And they'll be cold by the end too. That's going to be really bad. You're going to be choking them down. <laughs> no ketchup. Oh. Brutal. No, we're I'm not going to do that. Next to me. But we'll figure yeah. out something. We'll figure out something, and we'll probably do some some fun stuff around the globes, like we did last time. That was that was good, good, clean fun. Um, all right, other news stories. A couple of superhero ones. I know you're going to be shocked to hear this, but there's still superhero movie news out there. So I know, <laughs> totally out of left field. Who saw this coming? Um, here's an interesting one. Tom Holland is doing lots of press for lots of different things right now, including Uncharted and Spider-Man 3, and just sort of keeping his name out there. Cherry, he's on press tour for Cherry right now. Um, he was interviewed by Esquire, and they asked him the big question about Spider-Man 3 around, are Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield appearing in this film? 
And Tom, much to my surprise, I should say, uh, he, he violently rejected that idea. He didn't just say like, I don't know. I can't say like, he didn't dance around it. He was like, no, no, they will not be appearing in this film. They will not be appearing. And if they are, then somebody has hidden like the most massive thing that's ever been hidden from me. Like they are not in this movie. This movie is a continuation of the movies we've created so far. So what do you think? (laughs) I'm like trying to decide where to start with this, but like we've had just to go back, we've had tons of rumors about, you know, uh, Kirsten Dunst, Emma Stone, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, Willem Dafoe. We've had confirmed castings of Jamie Foxx, Alfred Molina. And I think I should have had this, but either Deadline or Hollywood Reporter was confirming the Andrew Garfield casting as well and confirming Kirsten Dunst. So I'm like, those outlets are rarely wrong, right? Um, But for Tom Holland to be like, no, no, they're not in this movie is an interesting course if he's not telling the truth so where do you where do you think it is on that spectrum kirk i love how he came out and said to my knowledge this is not happening i i it's not in the script that i'm seeing and so on and so forth yeah i absolutely believe that somehow there are already recorded scenes of all of the other spider-man getting together and either they're going to CGI Tom into that scene, not knowing what he, who he was talking to, A, uh, or B, they send someone else into the multiverse to, to find out that it exists, that it's, it's expansive, and that every, all these other timelines exist, these other dimensions. Because if we know anything, we know that Tom Holland cannot contain his excitement Correct. for the storyline. So. He always spoils the movies. It's known, it's known that he did not get the full scripts of Infinity War and Endgame specifically because they knew he could not do it. He just could not do it. So I think it's still happening. I think it's 100% covered over his eyes that they, they, they're not telling him <laughs> and it's going to be incredible. I want there to be a camera on him when he watches it for the first time to see like, what? <laughs> I'm there, they're there, (laughs) because it'll be as shocking as the rest of us see it play out. But here's the problem with that, dude. Like, in order for this to happen, if this happens, there has to be a scene with all of the Spider-Men. There has to be. Easy, easy. I'm telling you, they put him in in front of a green screen, and they tell Tom Holland, hey, listen, you are are talking to uh, Zendaya and you're saying this. <laughs> and he's like, this is kind of weird dialogue, but you know, they're always staying on the cutting edge here with the storylines. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, or, or they're like, you're talking, you're looking in a lake and it's your reflection. And <laughs> <laughs> you're saying Peter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I says to myself, I says, Peter, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's an interesting theory. I have to admit, I'm totally, I'm officially totally confused about this. Like I, I've sat here and thought about it all day because this story came out like early this morning and I seriously don't know. Like on the one hand, I'm like, he's lying. He's just lying. And I think that that's fine. And, and and like no one is going to be mad if they're in the movie and they're like, Oh, Tom Holland lied to us. In fact, I think people would appreciate it because you don't want to get spoiled. But like, on the other hand, I'm like, but why? Like, why would he... There, there are many ways to answer that question without stirring up speculation, one, and without shutting it completely down. So 
it is an odd approach. And then on the other hand, I'm like, when Deadline and Hollywood Reporter run with something, they are not wrong. Like, if they're going to confirm that Andrew Garfield and Kirsten Dunst have been cast and that Tobey Maguire is in discussions, like, that's happening. <laughs> you know, like, if it's Variety, if it's Deadline, if it's Hollywood Reporter, like, that's a done deal. Um, I've, I don't remember ever seeing them report something to that end and be wrong about it. And then right. again, you've got, um, like I said, Alfred Molina has, has for sure been confirmed cast as a uh, doc. Ock. Jamie Foxx has been cast as electro. There's rumors of Willem Dafoe being on set, you know, like with all of that going on, it's like, okay, they're making a sinister six movie. They're bringing back the old Spider-Man. Like, it just makes sense. I, I don't see why. How do you bring back Alfred Molina and Jamie Foxx even, you know, knowing that those are our two confirmed without bringing back the other people? It doesn't really make sense. Alfred Molina's Doc Ock has no relationship with this Spider-Man, you know, and he has a deeply intimate relationship with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. So it's like, mm-hmm. I just don't see, like, it's just not adding up. So I think where I lean is that, they are for sure in the movie, but I don't know what Tom Holland's doing, and it's making me confused and upset. <laughs> well, let me let me leave you with something very cheesy on this topic here. Um, I recently heard Rob Lowe say that actors are not good liars because they tell the truth on screen. So when you confront them with having to lie, they're actually very bad at it. Uh, though the, his phrasing uh, from the press release, those words can join together they're they're honest words. They're words that you couldn't configure in a lie very well. So I right. think they're very honest, and I think Tom Holland has no idea what's happening in this movie. But you're saying, like, you're still in the point of, like, he's telling the truth because he yes. doesn't know. Correct. That's correct. the stance. Like, I, I don't know how he could not know. I mean, I know they have a lot of filming to go, so maybe they haven't given him the full script, and maybe they've just filmed the early stuff, and he legit does not know. Yep, I think they told him, here's the script, and only gave him version A uh, of it. And they're giving him dailies. So here's, well, yeah, here's and the then for the day. You, you have the story, again, he's doing press tour for Cherry, and everybody's asking him about Spider-Man, obviously. But you, you get the story from earlier, earlier last week, where he says, it's the most ambitious standalone superhero movie of all time. I'm like, yep. if it's... If it's just a continuation of the first two films, the way that you just said, it's not the most ambitious standalone superhero movie of all time. Like there's, it's not even close. The only thing that puts it in that category is, is the multiverse and the stuff that's been rumored. So it's just like, Tom, you got to stop, man. You got to stop with the games. You're, you're messing with my mind. You're messing with my, with my well being here. I just don't know how to take this stuff. Oh, we will see. We when when I'm right, when it's revealed that I'm right, um, <laughs> we can laugh about this. We will. We will laugh about it. Um, <clears throat> we will see. All right. Next bit of superhero news. Last bit of superhero news. One that I'm very excited about. Um, Blade, which just the uh, just the idea of that movie gets me so fired up because I did not expect to have a Blade movie this early on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so I'm fired up. And the fact that it's Mahershala Ali has me ready to run through a brick wall to see this movie. Um, But Blade has found its writer, and the writer is Miss Stacy Osai Kufor. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Who, by the way, wrote for HBO's Watchmen series, 
which I have already said on this podcast is one of the best written television shows of all time, hands down. So that is hugely exciting news. Definitely, definitely. It's weird. It's definitely weird, but not weird to the point where you're like, what am I watching? It's it's weird because of the of the content that it that just exists of yeah. the source content, but they twist it in a way where if you've never read the Watchmen comics comics, if you have no idea what's going on with these characters, you can follow along start to finish. And it's it's really brilliant. So that just tells me, holy cow. Blade is going to blow people out of the water. Yeah. Uh, have you have you seen the original with uh, Wesley? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I have not. I'm not a fan of it. I like Wesley Snipes, but the Blade movie I did not like. Mm-hmm. Um, just because comic book movies are so different now. They're, they're, you know, if you look at any, like, superhero movie or adaptation, even, like, really anything pre Iron Man 2008, except for like the Chris Nolan, uh, Batman movies, obviously like it's just a totally different category of film. It's just not, it's not the same. Um, so it's, it's very different. And, um, blade is a tough character to do well in general. He's a really cool character, but one that is complicated and one that, you know, takes some explaining to the audience in terms of like, what he is and what he does. And I don't know, it, it, it takes a special way to do it. So I think that they will do better this time. I think to your point on the Watchmen series, like you did not read Watchmen. I've read Watchmen. It's, it was amazing to both of us for different reasons and also the same reasons. And I think what sticks out to me most about that show is no, like no scene is filler. None. When you get to the end, you're like, wow, we had all these weird scenes. The dots aren't connected. Then you get to the end and they're literally all connected and they're connected in a way that you totally did not see coming and like puts in just an amazing finish on that show. It's remarkable. Like literally everything that is done in every second of that show is done with intention and you just do not see that very often. So I am stoked to have her as part of the, MCU and I think Mahershala Ali was like we need to get her like he was involved in her hiring and Mahershala Ali like manifested this movie he like called Kevin Feige and was like I want to be Blade and Kevin Feige's like the dude's an Oscar award winner (laughs) you know like what am I supposed to do he's won two Oscars like this is this guy's a stud so um very excited very very excited all right last bit of movie news and it is a downer unfortunately um we lost a Hollywood and film legend, Chris, Christopher Plummer, last week. Um, one of the great Canadian actors of all time. One of the great actors of all time who is famous for playing, of course, Captain Von Trapp in The Sound of Music. He was in A Beautiful Mind. He was three times nominated for Academy Award. Um, he won for the movie Beginners in 2010. And he was most recently in Knives Out. He was also in All the Money in the World, filled in for Kevin Spacey on that one. He was also uh, earned an Oscar nomination for that movie. So um, huge loss for Hollywood. One of the most respected guys, I think, in the biz. And one of those guys who, when they pass away, they leave behind just an amazing legacy and a whole, you know, just pages upon pages of people talking about what an impact they had on you know, their career, like young actors saying, wow, Christopher Plummer was so nice. Um, and you just, you love to see that. So it, you know, it's sad to 
lose anybody like that. Um, but what a legacy and and what a career for Mr. Christopher Plummer. Yeah, I remember the first time that I ever remembered like recognizing him in a film uh, would have been in right. I say it and I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe yeah, it was in I think so. <laughs> I hope it, I hope it was him. It was probably some other actor. Now, hey, whatever you can just bleep that out. I'll edit uh, it if yeah. I was wrong. Just put a big boop, and then people will just be confused. Yeah. Uh, either way, uh, I did some some Google, googling, and he was the <laughs> oldest actor to ever win uh, the best supporting actor. He was oh, there you go when he won Beginners. That's crazy. And he was 88 years old when he got his nomination for All the Money in the World, making him the oldest person to be nominated in an acting category, which that is hard in itself because <laughs> when you get to that age, you can just like pull out the same old tricks and you're just kind of yourself at that age um, or you're just kind of um, a reflection of who you who you were during yeah. that time. So I think that that that's such an accomplishment. And he, especially with All the Money in the World, he he put that thing on its feet within six weeks. They were, they filmed it and they, they produced it and they edited it and got it out the window just that fast. So yeah, it's, just, that just is, accomplished man. that is really crazy to think about that. You know, like that might be, you know, well, a well-earned Oscar nomination, not just for the performance, but for the work that yeah. went into it. Um, you know, that's, Something you never really think about, but in, in the circumstances that he was in for that movie, to be thrown in last minute, have to get prepped, ready to go film, you know, that quickly, and to to still put your heart and soul into it is really impressive and speaks to his character and, and work ethic. So, um, you know, thoughts and prayers, as always, with, with Christopher Plummer's family, his friends, his fans. Um, he will be dearly missed, and... Uh, We'll definitely miss his presence on screen because it was a it was a giant presence, and uh, you know I will never forget him in the Sound of Music. So um, yeah. uh, it's a uh, it's it's always sad, but you know always good when somebody leaves behind a great legacy. So all right, that is all we got for what's popping. Slow week this week. All right. Shifting gears. Are you popping as well with your fingers over there? I'm popping. It's like a, it's like a, I always said bodega. That is not the right word. Nope. I can't think tonight. <laughs> nope. <laughs> what well, do like, you call it? The, the poetry, the slam poetry. I don't know. Club. Is there a word that starts with a B that's about. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking of, you know, those people wear berets. Yes, they do. They, no, but they, they snap do snap or, at the slam poetries. They're like. Yes. So. Yes, I just think of uh, of uh, Sean Hunter in Boy Meets World uh, <laughs> reading his poetry, and they're like, yes, it's so deep. Yes. I always think about uh, 22 Jump Street <laughs> whenever I think <laughs> of slam poetry and that amazing scene that is so stupid but so awesome at the same time. Um, yes. <clears throat> okay, shifting gears. We've got a movie review. We've got a really interesting film with lots to talk about. We've got Carrie Mulligan. We've got Golden Globe Award nominated film. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. That's my T. And uh, you're up, Kirk, on synopsis. You're going to synopsis it, and then you're going to kick us off on our superlatives. You know, it's just not fair that I am, because obviously I cannot speak or think tonight. Uh, Neither can I. I said, remember, I said co-hoke. So we're we're <laughs> <laughs> we're doing a late night recording, and it is showing. 
Yes, yes. And just to, just to put it out there, I was 100% incorrect on Christopher Palmer's appearance in the movie that I said that you will bleep out. <laughs> well, now I have to bleep out this too. <laughs> I didn't say the title of the movie now. Oh, that's true. Bleep it out from earlier. I will. I will. Everyone will wonder who I got mixed up. Don't just worry. Two older looking gentlemen who've always looked old, <laughs> who are wonderful actors. I think you can guess. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Mistakes are made. I say something stupid every episode. We need, we've talked about this. We need um, the show on ESPN called Pardon the Interruption has done this for years. They have a producer who takes note of everything they say. And then at the end, they say, what did we get wrong? And he lists off all the things they said that were wrong. And it's nice because it's like when you're having improv improvisational conversation, you're going to end up in territories where you didn't prep. And like you're yeah. going to end up saying something dumb. It just happens all the time. Um and that way, you don't have to worry about it because then you just have the producer guy who's like, hey, you big dummies, here's all the stupid crap you said throughout the episode. So we need that. If anybody Sometimes. wants to apply for that position, hit us up. We'd, we'd love to have you. Sentence and I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> I call it an improvis improvisation. Yeah. And wait, what is it? Oh, well, what does Michael Scott say? Yes. Improvisation, right? Improvisation. Like, or something like that, because it's like a conversation and improvisation. I don't know. See, we need to stop. This, we do. This would also We're be snowballing. I need a dump button so that when I start talking and it's stupid, you just drop me <laughs> and then we just come back in hot, you know? Yeah, if you, people just see your mouth moving on the video, but there's nothing there. I'm so traumatized by how stupid I have spoken tonight. I'm just going to straight up read the synopsis from IMDb. Now here, here here's something to make you feel better. One last thing. I said that Millie Bobby Brown, hold on, let me get this right. I said that Millie Bobby Brown wasn't British on the one episode or wasn't English because I was like, wow, what a great English accent. And she totally is English. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. why her accent was so good. Um, so there you go. That nothing you say ever could be dumber than that. So <laughs> with that in mind, go ahead with your synopsis. Well, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Promising young woman. A young, I'm going to read it like slam poetry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get my snapping hands ready. A young woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past seeks out vengeance against those who crossed her paths. Is that it? Find out now. Streaming <laughs> on video on demand. Good, good work. Good work, Kirk. Um, yeah, so it's an interesting concept. This is a this is like a revenge, uh, like a revenge thriller, like a um, what would you call that? Like a revenge fantasy movie in, yes. in sort of a way. Like it's uh, it's sort of surreal in a sense, but also not. You know, it, it, it's this movie is interesting in the way that it sort of conforms to convention and also bucks convention know throughout so it's it's a it's an interesting concept but yeah um we'll have a lot to talk about so i'll just leave it at that let's let's jump into our superlatives who are you going with for the oscar who are you giving your oscar to oh it's not a very hard choice it goes to miss carrie mulligan yeah miss carrie mulligan who is british uh i, I just looked that she up to is? verify she is 100 british wow. i believe when she was in <clears throat> the film in education. Uh, she is fully British in that. Um, don't fact check me on that, but I think I she's fully British, like fully just normal speaking. One thing that's crazy about Carrie Mulligan is that 
I know that I've seen her. I really just gravitate to an education, but she's really been in a lot of stuff. Yes. Uh, you know, she, let's just run through this. She was in Pride and Prejudice in 2005. She was in uh, an education, Public Enemies, Brothers, Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps with Shia. She was in Drive. She's been in The Great Gatsby, Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, I mean, the, the list goes on. Mudbound. Mudbound, yeah. The Dig, which just dropped on Netflix, which I watched as well with Ray Fiennes. It's it's insane. She she's like this this like sneaky little ninja who is in these incredible films that don't get enough notoriety until until like later. So in education got a lot of a lot of Oscar buzz, lots of nominations when it came out, but people didn't really understand what it was when it came out. And right. now people are like, oh yeah, that movie is so great. She's just like this this surprise, you know, like when you get uh, toys in the toy aisle that you don't know what it is. It's like it's like a surprise Mario toy and you rip it open and you try to figure out what it is. It's like a Lego figurine <laughs> you put together. That's what this is. That's what this really is, is who she is. She is a surprise figurine uh, from a plastic bag. <laughs> no, uh, she's just she's got just all this explosion of excitement and y- uniqueness. And she shows it throughout this entire film. She just sprinkles on all these different layers throughout. She it'd be very easy to be one note in a revenge film, and she is not that at in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and she's still a very young actress, uh, so it's exciting to see what other surprises we'll get for the rest of her career. Yeah, I, I like the way that you summed her up. She's she's my uh, my Oscar as well. Obviously, if you see the movie, you you'll know why it's obvious. She she is the the lead, you know, more so than most leads. I mean, she's, she is the, the entire subject matter of the movie and she does an impeccably good job. And I like how you said that she wasn't one note at times. It felt like they were going to do that with this performance. And even still, um, her playing that personality type was still excellent. She was doing a great job, but her character had, her character had a ton of depth that was developed throughout the course of the film and got to show all different sides. She was using the full tool toolkit in this movie. I, I was pretty amazed. I like you said, she's been in some movies that do not get enough um, love. Inside Lewin Davis, her performance in that movie is awesome, so awesome. Very small, but um, really makes that movie excellent. And she makes other actors better too. That's why I thought it was interesting to see. Um, Bo Burnham, who's relatively inexperienced in feature length films like this, uh, sort of acting opposite her in a lot of scenes. I think she elevated his game too. She is, she is one of those actors who's capable of doing that. And she's been, an, she was nominated for an education, I believe for an Oscar. She's never, mm-hmm. she's never won an Oscar, but man, I, I think there's more coming her way. And I think that it's possible we could see her nominated for this movie. She was really, really good. Um, and this role was not as easy as it seems like it might be in the first 30 minutes. It gets a lot deeper, a lot more complicated, and she builds an excellent character through her performance. So definitely has to be Carrie Mulligan for the Oscar to go to. Boom. All boom, right. Boom, boom, boom. Scene stealer. Who you got, Kirk? Scene stealer, you said his name already. It's Mr. Bo Burnham. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Dude, I felt like such a baller because back in the day when YouTube was so fresh, yes, that's how old we are, when YouTube (laughs) was so fresh, 
you would go, you would literally just, I don't know if this is how kids do it today, but you would go home after school, you'd bring a friend over and you'd watch YouTube for like six hours before like really scary stuff came on YouTube and creepy like propaganda and everything. But <laughs> Bo Burnham was one of the leaders uh, of the original YouTube movements. Uh, he got on there with a tiny just garbage keyboard in his bedroom and he was just cranking out songs left and right. And because of this, he, he, he built his, he built his path uh, as a comedian and, and into standup and into multimedia standup to really sh- reshape it. Uh, he, he'll stand up there and tell jokes, but then he'll kick to his piano and then he'll have like this crazy theatrical production. Bo Burnham is so underrated. And I hope this movie is a platform to show how, uh, how incredible he is, how thoughtful he is, how uh, how nuanced his performances are. I love that they chose him to be this because there's a critical moment in this film. He's got such a distinguishable voice that when when you hear his voice at a certain point in this movie, you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like light bulb. Because uh, anyone else's voice besides, uh, as I've often um shed my love for Chris Pine and uh, Jeff Daniels. Anyone else's voice you're not going to recognize. Bo Burnham, boom. He really he really cranks it out here, and I'm looking for um, more performances like this, more opportunities for him like this. He's an accomplished writer, singer, comedian, director now, and let's throw actor into the mix because he's awesome. Yep. He's my scene stealer as well. Um, I have a lot of the same things to say. I... I, I... I do not say this ironically at all. I, I truly believe that Bo Burnham is one of the true geniuses that we have in this field, like an absolute genius, a visionary, someone who thinks of things outside of the box, someone who is still incredibly young and doing things that are mind-blowing. His stand-up work is what caught my attention whenever he did the stand-up special Make Happy. I think it's called Make Happy. Yep. Man, that special... It, it's it's like a really well-crafted movie in the sense that it starts out, you think that it's one thing, and the way that it ends, you're like, holy crap, this guy is a genius, and it's hilarious throughout. Um, as an actor, he's a little bit unpolished, but that's okay. I think what he lacks in dramatic finesse at this point in his career, he more than makes up for in charisma and relatability and yes. improvisational comedy, which he had on full display in this movie, actually. Um, it was very clear that he was improvising some lines throughout and had had a very Bo Burnham touch to a lot of his jokes. At one point, they're like dancing in the pharmacy, and he <laughs> says, it's been, it's been weeks since I've done this in a pharmacy, like <laughs> seriously weeks, which is just like a very, it's a very Bo Burnham joke and one that uh, just killed in this movie for me, at least. Um like I said, Kerry Mulligan, I thought helped him along in those dramatic scenes and helped him get there. But you could tell that like he is a little underdeveloped on that side, but still a really solid performance and added a ton of dynamic contrast to this movie that I think was definitely needed and 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 doing so in a way that really only he could. So it was a great casting. Um, they took a chance on Bo and he delivered. So it's got to be Bo Burnham. And if you haven't checked out his stand up, I'm telling you, you got to do it. It's it's really different. It's really interesting and really good. Yeah. Listen carefully. Uh, cause it sounds super offensive, but it's actually <laughs> criticizing how offended we are right. through it, uh, through, through like 
it's eight different lenses. Like he, and he's, he's 30 years old. He's born in 1990. He's, <laughs> it's absolutely insane how, how his mind works. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on to showstopper. Kirk, what was your showstopper in this movie? My showstopper is, it was a little bit difficult to pinpoint, but it has to do with social media as a theme throughout. Mm. Um, so we have this, uh, this tragic, tra- uh, tragic, traumatic incident that occurs uh, that this revenge plot is taking place with. And all the while we're surrounded by social media and, uh, and just digital, um, devices, right. Uh, the, the entire time. And what I love about it is that when we first see, uh, when, when they first kind of highlight this, we see Carrie Mulligan in her bed and we see this, like, it looks like a, uh, it almost looks like a portable DVD player at first. Um, but it's a, it's a laptop and she's at like at a California king size bed. She's at the back of it and it's at the very foot of her bed and it's lighting her up. It's just lighting her up and it's darkness and then it's drawing her in and then she gets closer and closer and closer. And of course, once she really gets sucked into it and she becomes a victim of it is, is when she kind of spirals. And then there's moments in the movie where she's separated from it and then she brings her back in over and over and over again. I love, I did not expect that in this movie and it really is, you know, something that, uh, we try, we're trying to practice in, in our, in our family is a little bit less screens, a little bit less social media. I am by by far the worst at it. Uh, I I can't stop. I can't stop. Uh, uh, Aubrey is incredibly wonderful at it, and she's very also good at in a non in a non like uh, non like insulting way. She's very good at like slipping my phone out of my out of my pocket or my hand and saying and directing me like let's go do this. You know, so <laughs> I need it, and so that's that's why it resonated with me the, the how they worked the theme of social media and its demise in people if you let it control you into the storyline here. Yeah, that's a good one. That's that's something I hadn't really picked up on. Um, I think my showstopper touches on that in a way, but that particular theme um, is not one that I caught. And that is an, a point within itself is that this movie was pretty ambitious on the themes, I thought. Like, they swung for the fences. Uh, the director's name is Emerald Fennell. Is that right? Am I pronouncing that right? Um, let me let me verify that while I keep talking here. But um, there were a lot of themes, and I was I was actually pretty su- surprised because the thesis of the movie is uh, yeah Emerald Fennell. I was right about that. The thesis of the movie seems one dimensional in it, at, at first glance. It's like okay, we are talking about rape culture, right? We're talking about um, you know the kinds of things that women have to deal with. And I'm like, okay, got it. Thesis is clear right from shot one of the movie, you know, like it's laid out. We're good. But then, you know, credit to our director, she starts taking on a bunch of other stuff. And so my showstopper for this movie is sort of related to that. And it's the visual storytelling in this movie. They, she tells a ton about this situation, about society at large through subtle shots like the one you're talking about with the, you know, laptop at the end of the bed or, um, you know, someone watching a video on their phone or like 
there are a couple themes I can't really talk about, but the way that people are placed, she uses uh, mise-en-scene, which is something that you talk about a lot, which placement of objects in scenes um, to deliver themes. And themes that, I, I mean, there are some themes that I don't think are ever even actually addressed in the dialogue that are only addressed in the camera work and the set design that I was like, yes. whoa, that's cool. Um, I really like that. There, there isn't like a specific dialogue point where you can be like, oh, they're talking about, you know, this particular theme in, in modern society. They're talking about social media. Like, you, you, there is not, there are times where there are themes going on that just are not addressed in the dialogue in any way, not even in, in like a like a thickly veiled way. <laughs> like just totally yeah. is done with the camera work and what they're doing with the set design, which is, that's next level. <laughs> that's yes. really next level. So, as the movie went along, I came to appreciate these nods that they were doing to different themes and the, the things that they were trying to accomplish. And I actually feel like by the end, they had quite a few really fleshed out themes that they had brought full circle and delivered that message really well. So that that for me was a showstopper and, and something that I was not expecting at first glance. So kudos to the entire production team on that. It was really, really well done. Okay. Let's move on to director's shoes. What things would we change? What, what direction would we give Miss Fennell if we could have a chat with her? Uh, we've talked a lot about the second act of a film um, losing its strength. I would say that we have seen some pretty horrible missteps in act two of some films that we've watched in recent history. This one is not horrible. I'll say that out the gate, but it does take, it does have some pretty big missteps. Um, they, like you said there, this movie is, uh, very re realistic, but then it also takes on this element uh, or edge of surrealism. And there are times when it didn't quite know which way it wanted to go. I feel like there's a way to incorporate both of those, but you can't have, you can't have both turned up to 11 in the same movie from one scene to the next. Um, you can have it leading up to, and then throw, throw a moment in a moment, really a moment, not a whole scene and then bring it back and sprinkle it in. So I feel like that was a little bit lost in here. Um, and i also feel like because of that, we lost some character development. We mm. get a lot of characters in this film and we didn't get a chance to uh, really meet all of them and, and meet some of the more critical people uh, within the within the full plot of this, uh, I almost said play, uh, of this film. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good call. I think, you know, I kind of alluded to in the last section and what you're alluding to is that the movie's pretty ambitious and at times it's hard to keep their ambitions in, ch in check. And I actually think I have a similar reasons, but I actually think where they missed the mark was in the first half of the film, because I think they were setting up a different movie than they ended up making in the first half. Ah. Like some of those early scenes, um, it's like obvious that that was where the idea for the movie came. And then it evolved into something else. Well then it evolved into something that was so different. I feel like, by the end that those early scenes don't even really feel reminiscent of the same movie. They feel vaguely related. They feel um, like, like if this movie had a dream of a movie, it would be those scenes. I don't know. Like 
dude, you know what it's like? It's like so many country songs. Like I'm not a huge country uh, music fan, but there are some country music choruses that are like really good. You're like, I'll listen to that. <laughs> but you listen to the verses and they're completely different songs. That That's what that reminds me. Yeah. Of. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I like the early scenes and I totally see what we're doing there. And I like the end of the movie too. And I totally see what we're doing there, but the two are not directly related. And, and in fact, I think, they spent more time on stuff in the front half of the movie that ends up being inconsequential in the second half. And if they had spent more time kind of like shoring up that and backing into it a little bit, um, it, it would have been better. I think it, it, it really feels like they had a really awesome idea for a movie and then they started to write it out and they came up with a different awesome idea and wrote that movie and then combined them together. That's what it really feels like. So it, it um, could have been a sequel. It could have been a franchise. Game. It could have, it could have. I honestly thought they were going like kill bill at the beginning to be quite honest yeah. with you. Like it, it, it felt like that and it's not, um, but they really set it up that way. And they even used like, or, or what are, I mean, Jessica, Jessica Chastain has been in like 20 movies where she's like, uh, a woman agent who like dresses up as different people and like, uh, tricks people and like enacts revenge. This was like one of those movies and they even like use the genre tropes and stuff like that. So I thought that's where we were going. Um, and we didn't really end up going that way. We went kind of a different way. So either way mm -hmm. I liked it, but I thought that that could have been fine tuned a bit, just a bit. All right. The, it's, it's, it's funny. It's like so hard to talk about these movies sometimes in a spoiler free way. Like I want to, I want to make sure we're getting deep analysis, but I also want to make sure we're not ruining it for anybody who wants to see it, but I don't think we've done that yet. So I'm going to, we're going to keep plugging along and let's go with overall thoughts and scores. Kirk, what, what are your thoughts on this movie? Anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, this is a, a really impactful movie. Um, I, I hope it's it's kind of hard because I hope that it would actually resonate with resonate with people who need to see it. Yeah. Um, it's you know a big purpose of the film is because of the horrible, detestable uh, scum of the earth uh, Brock Turner, who in a famous <laughs> trial um, raped a woman and then he got away with it. He 100% got away with it, and they said one of their closing statements was that, well, he's a promising young man, right? Uh, and he's got a bright future ahead of him. And as we know, probably six months later, he was like in trouble again for like drunk driving. I think he got a DUI almost immediately after that. So the the play on the play on the title is is perfect and it's powerful and this movie is powerful. I just think that it the it wasn't a full blown identity crisis, but it did um, it did lack it, it did lack in strength in shaping what movie, what story it truly wanted to tell. I'm going to give it a 7.9 kernels out of 10. Yeah, good score. Um, I, I agree with a lot of that. I think this movie was really impactful. I think that's a great word to use. It's really effective. Um, and what I like about it is that, actually what I like about it is the same as what I don't like about it. But what, what I don't like about it is for personal reasons, and I'll get into that a little bit, but... Um, what I like about it is that they use extremes to deliver their point in, in a good way. Like this is um, similar to the Joker or, or Joker in some ways in the sense that they use extremes to tell a story about society and talk about the wrongs in society and what the consequences for those wrongs could be as a way to 
sort of scare people who think a certain way or act a certain way um, into changing their ways and to scare people who aren't, who have been asleep at the wheel into being aware of it. So I think that's, you can do that in film and you don't, you don't necessarily mean like in real life we should go murder and torture people who like, not that there, there's not like a lot of murder and torture, but like ruin people's lives who have done these things. Like that's why you use film to tell stories in this way. That's the whole point. Anyway, that's what I like about it. But I also, you know, personally this story is hard for me because it is, well, it's a deeply subversive movie, but you know, it should be, but also um, it's, it's staunchly anti-redemption. It, it just is like, it takes that stance of anti-redemption and, you know, people accuse Joker of being a little bit um, irresponsible as a movie to release um, because it was a pro anarchy film at a time where anarchy was sort of the flavor of the day. And so the people were like, you can't release this movie. You're going to give crazy people all kinds of ideas to do bad things, um, which, you know, filmmakers shouldn't be responsible for that. But in the same way, this movie is anti-redemption at a time where we as a society are highly anti-redemption. You know, you've got cancel culture, you've got, you know, people getting canceled. And I've mentioned it before, personally, I'm pro-redemption. I think as a human race and as a human community and society, we should all be pro-redemption because the consequences and the precedent that it sets if we're not is scary. Um, it means that you can mess up and then your entire life is ruined, um, which as since we're all human should not be our goal. Now I understand cancel culture and I, I totally get it. And it is a highly complicated issue because for every time that I say, you know, we need to be pro redemption. We need to give people a second chance. I can get shown a Harvey Weinstein or a Bill Cosby, and I have Army nothing. Hammer, cannibalist. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I have nothing to say for those people because they are despicable, and maybe they don't deserve a second chance. So, it is a very tough issue. <clears throat> but I tend to side on pro redemption, and that's why this movie was hard for me to swallow. But all of that said, it made me think, and it was very effective, and it made me, it made me examine some things. I think that was good. It made me think about like, Hmm, if I was in that situation, how would I react? Which is a good thought process to have. It's something that movies should do movies like this that have a distinct point. They should make you think. And if they don't, they haven't done their job. So, um, now I'm on my soapbox, but I would say in general, I'm giving it an 8.8 really liked it. I thought it was really, really, uh, effective, not perfect for the reasons that we said, but ambitious, effective, original. Um, and you can't ask for much more than that personally. So yeah. 8.8 out of 10. Impactful. That was beautiful. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the snaps. Uh, so that is our review of promising young woman. It is nominated for the golden globe. As we said, might get some Oscar buzz as well. Worth checking out. It's available on uh, video on demand, early access. Um, you can pay $20 for it, support the filmmakers, support the studio, or you can pay $20 and split it with somebody like me and Kirk did. So then we each like, pay only $10. Is that a reminder? Cause I did not pay you. No, like, it's not. I'm not subtweeting you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not I chomping at the bit you. for that $10. This man. is on camera. This is on camera. So I am paying you. Oh my gosh. Nine ninety five as we discussed. 999.5 is actually. 999. <laughs> 
<laughs> I want that half cent. I really do. It's important to me. Oh god. Because I think it rounds up in the bank account. So that's basically an extra penny for the price of half. So um anywho, that's promising young woman. Check it out at your earliest convenience or whenever you want to, but before the Golden Globes, because it might win. You never know. And check your phone. You've been paid. Wow. That talk about service. I honestly was not subtweeting you, but um, no, I appreciate no, I it, it nonetheless. It was, you suck it in there. <laughs> I, I got it loud and clear. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Uh, shifting gears dramatically once again. We've already done this once this episode. We're going to shift gears. Going from a movie about very troubling things in our society to pizza. That's uh, <laughs> that's a segue that is just smooth as butter, and that's the way that we do it here at Popcorn for Breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, we it's so funny. We plan these episodes, and we never think about these things. But it's it's fine. It's it's totally fine. Okay, we're talking pizza. We're talking the best pizza scenes for National Pizza Day. Best pizza scenes in movies, and. You may be thinking to yourself right now, that is a small category, a shockingly small category. And I would say, oh, 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 you could not be more wrong. It is a robust category with many contenders, and I expect this to be hotly contested. Mm. Are you ready, Kirk? I'm ready. Uh, who's going to be first? It's me. Ha <laughs> ha. I always get first pick on the important ones, I feel like. But, uh, and this is important. Pizza's dead this serious. Is extremely important. All right. Number one. We need the um, we need the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire music. Oh, yeah, that one too. There you go. There it is. Um, my first pick, I'm going with a goofy movie. There is a scene in this movie, and it is a cartoon, for those of you who have not seen it. There's a scene in this movie where... Goofy and Max meet up at a roadside motel with Pete and his son, PJ. And, um, you know, Goofy and Pete go in the hot tub and PJ and Max stay in the hotel room and watch MTV and eat pizza. And the pizza they are eating, let me tell you, it's a pepperoni pizza and the cheese is literally dripping off of this. It is like they're holding it like up here and the cheese is dripping all the way down. And I'm like, holy smokes, that looks incredible. It looks so good. The The key here is that the piece of pizza itself, I don't think is very floppy, which is a good sign. It means it's well cooked, but the cheese is, there's so much cheese and it's so hot that it's melting over the side. It looks incredible. Yes. Yes, dude. I mean, no one, some people will remember this uh, if you're our age or older, you know, the phrase no one out pizza is the hut is important <laughs> because that looks like the pizza hut I grew up with yes. in the 90s and early 2000s. And then they changed. They changed. You've changed pizza hut. You've changed. It, looked, it, it really was like that much cheese on every slice at pizza hut. And they scaled back. They scaled back hard. And Which like why? Hut. It was so good. And whenever in growing up, at least this is my memory of it. Like pizza hut was the only pizza that was ordered. Yes. Like you weren't ordering Domino's. You would occasionally order Papa John's because that's like a very different thing. But I mean, if you were ordering for a big group, like let's say like soccer party or anything, you were probably ordering Pizza Hut. That was the de facto crowd pleaser. Yes. And now uh, it, it there was a big shift. Papa John's added more cheese and I went that way. And now I'm still at Papa John's. Yeah. And honestly, though, Domino's is better now too. I know. So it's it's gotten contested. Come on, Pizza Hut. You should have stayed on top of the world. You had everything. 
how dare them? How dare them? They've ruined the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Not to be dramatic or anything. (laughs) What went wrong? Pizza Hut changed their They changed everything. Okay. All right. Your pick. Pick number one. What you got? My pick. This is difficult. Because you just threw the trump card there. I'm going to pick Home Alone. Ooh, yeah. I think that's I think that's the obvious second pick there. It's a good scene. It's so good. I mean, they're they're laying out the the foundation uh and of the entire film in the the crazy run around the house <laughs> extravaganza before they got to, you know, get out the door and get to their get to their vacation, you know, and and you get all those all those pizzas everywhere and the, the wrong pizzas and Kevin McAllister gets totally screwed over. No cheese. Pizza. No cheese. No cheese. What no cheese? And I I just, I just feel for him. I've, uh, I've never been there, but I never want to be there without the right pizza because I'm a picky pizza eater a, a little bit, just a little bit. And little Buzz bit. shoves an entire piece of cheese pizza into his mouth at one time. It's really, <laughs> it, it looks like a good slice of pizza. I mean, I think he probably ruins the experience by doing that because then he gets tackled by, <laughs> by Kevin McAllister, but it he does accomplish getting an entire slice of cheese pizza into his mouth. So he does. To, Bravo. To I wonder if he could still do that today. I would be <laughs> interested in seeing it. Yes. Good pick. Good pick. Okay. Back to the drawing board for me. Um, this is my second pick and I'm going to go with the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. This scene, there is a scene um, where I believe it's Mikey orders a pizza through like to have it delivered through the sewer grate, like through the storm drain. And he sticks the money up there and the guy sticks the Domino's pizza down the side. And he says like, never pay full price for late pizzas. And then they take it back down in the sewer and he throws the entire pie up in the air and gets his little knives out and and chops it up (laughs) and they all land on it. Just the pizza looks good. Teenage mutant Ninja turtles really are synonymous with pizza. I don't yes. know if kids these days even do they even know about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Is it still a thing? Because um, my childhood was all about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I loved it, and I love the pizza aspect. So I had to go with uh, my old homeboys there, TMNT. That's an excellent choice. Uh, my next choice, I'm going to go with a movie I've never seen all, all the way through, but Ooh. I've seen this scene. Uh, because it's a famous scene. Um, it's Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. And Sean Penn rolls into class. He's this total stoner, uh, loser, dropout kid. And he rolls into this class. He's totally roasting the teacher. The teacher is just like livid the entire time. And then a pizza shows up. Your boy Sean Penn orders a pizza into class. And the teacher just takes it. He takes it from him and he destroys every (laughs) honorable pride and just element of pride in Sean Penn's body. And it's, it's quite a remarkable scene uh, to, to watch. It's, it's one, you know, we've talked about, I think it would be fantastic if they had a best scene uh, in the, that would be great. That is a missed opportunity. I just don't know why they don't do it. It would be, it would be so fun. Uh, that one would 100% do it for me. Cause it's, it's incredible. Good one. I love it. Spicoli. It's a, it's a classic one. Um, okay. Next pick. 
This one might not appear on the radar, but I watched this movie recently, and so I had to shout it out because I watched it and legitimately was like, I want pizza. It's uh, (laughs) the first Iron Man movie, 2008. You may not remember. There's a scene in that movie um, where Jeff Bridges' Obadiah Stane comes and visits Tony after a board meeting in New York, and he says, uh, you know, they used to be pizza buddies, and he always brings them back pizza from New York, and he's got this whole box of pizza that looks like it's like room temperature, you know, like the good leftover pizza. And Tony just starts digging into it and he folds the slice. And I'm like, Oh man, it looks so delicious. So I got to go Iron Man underrated pizza scene, but a good one. Beautiful, beautiful. I do remember that one. And I, I, uh, I don't hate you, but I, uh, I loathe you. I loathe you for picking. It. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, my next pick, I'm going to go with Spider-Man two. Oh, Mr. that Tobey was Maguire. on my list. It's pizza time. It's pizza time. <laughs> uh, you know, Tobey Maguire is racing through the city to keep his job and just deliver a stinking pizza and save the day as he goes through everything. It's, it's an, inc- I mean, that movie, um, is, is just a piece of art. Uh, shout out to Alfred Molina for being in that movie and, uh, promising, promising and woman. woman. Yes. Surprise yeah. appearance in that movie. And he was really good. He was shows up out of nowhere and just, just a fun, fun antics, uh, for this pizza delivery and, uh, foundational plot points as well. It wasn't just uh, look at what we can do with CGI and, and be goofy at the top of this movie that will ultimately, uh, leave you, uh, bawling your eyes out. So, yeah. yeah. Spider-Man two. That's a good one. I love in that scene. Um, they do actually show the pizza in that scene when the yes. guy, he Spider-Man bungee cords up all the pizzas and drops them on this guy's like balcony. So while he saves these kids from getting hit by a bus and yes. the guy is like, mm, <laughs> you know, like free pizza and he cracks one open and he has a piece of the pie and Spider-Man swings by, grabs all the pizzas and then web slings the other piece out of his hand. It's so great. It's remarkable. Yeah. So such a good pick. I love that. Have you seen, I don't know if this is only on TikTok, but somebody, somebody did a super cut of, they changed the Spider-Man plot that Peter Parker kills uncle Ben over pizza. And they use the audio of him saying pizza. Time. I'll, I'll just share it. It's so good. It's remarkably stupid, but it's so, so good. I love it. Okay. My next pick. I'm going with a superhero movie as well. Again, this will be three superhero movies in a row. Um, (laughs) Deadpool. Deadpool 1. There is a scene where um, Wade Wilson, before he is Deadpool, is hunting down this stalker who is a pizza delivery driver. And he does this by breaking into somebody's apartment, ordering a pizza to that apartment, and then um, threatening the pizza delivery guy. So he stabs the pizza with one of his knives and it's what does he say it's olive and pineapple or something weird like that and he's like sweet and salty (laughs) (laughs) it's a it's a great scene it's really funny love it love it love it uh here's a random one for you Um, yeah this this movie i probably got from the good old blockbuster probably 80 times and um every time i watched it i almost peed my pants it's a wonderful movie with (laughs) ashton kutcher and sean william scott called dude where's my car yeah good one (laughs) and there's a moment when they wake up from their horrible horrible forgotten night and 
pizza is literally on the ceiling stuck and they're just kind of looking at it and it falls. They're like, man, what are we going to do for food? You know, they're about to embark on figuring out what happened the night before and just these slices of pizza drop into their hands. And I'm like, that's pretty convenient. I love that. So got to go with that. Dude, where's my car? Love it. That's a great, that's a great pick. Uh, one that, that's one that I forgot about for sure, but it's a, it's a really good one. Um, okay. My last one, I've got a couple to choose between here. Um, I'm going to go with whiplash. Mm-hmm. The, the first date scene between miles Teller and Melissa Benoist Benoist Benoist. I don't know how you pronounce her last name. Um, Benoist. Their chemistry was electric in that movie. She has very few speaking lines, but absolutely kills that scene. I think we've actually talked about how she like steals the show in that movie with like very little screen time. Um, and their first date is at a pizza shop and it's delightfully awkward and great. And uh, she's new to the city and he's like New York born and raised. And so he brought her to this pizza place that he really likes. And, the pizza looks great. The scene is amazing. It's very human. It's the kind of kind of scenes that I like in movies, like very understated, very just like intimate and and great. So I got to yeah. go with that one. It's it's a it's a lovely scene. Really, really is. That was on my list as well because it's so it's so impactful. Uh, you're right. Like the conversation. There's very few movies that can capture the the just the the pure way that people have conversations and that's one of them. Uh, one from other recent memory is in La 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 Land, the fight at the dinner table in the apartment. It's like, holy crap. Like, did they just record a fight from someone and then just write it into this movie? Like it's, it's so good. It's so good. Both of those Damien Chazelle films too. So yes. Uh, is it my final pick? Final pick. Oh, easy. Back to the future too. Yeah, there it is. Yes, the dehydrated uh, pizza uh, in the in the tiny little form. Uh, I I still am waiting for this. I think Back to the Future was set in 2015, and here we are. We are in the future. I know. Past Back to the Future, and <laughs> I want those. I want I want super simple meals that I don't have to wait on, and super delicious meals as well. So yeah, I know. We're 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 slacking. Where where is the technology? Uh, these are the things that we need. We need dehydrated pizza. Okay. Yes, drop that's what so much doing. to ask. Elon Musk, Doctors. come on. <laughs> Elon Musk, <laughs> he has enough money. He can yeah, stop worrying about Dogecoin and Bitcoin and start making some dehydrated pizzas, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I long for it. It'd be so good. Okay, I've got two honorable mentions. <clears throat> One is Mystic Pizza. Any scene in Mystic Pizza, <laughs> because it's about a pizza shop, and I have been to the real-life Mystic Pizza, yes. and the pizza was great. Um, very different from how it looks in the movie. I don't even think the movie is actually based on the mystic pizza that I went to, but there you go. I've been to the real mystic pizza in mystic Connecticut. And then, uh, soul, this is a recent one. Soul. there's a scene where 22, uh, switches bodies with Joe and gets to try pizza for the first time. And she's like, they, they like show the inside of her head and she's like, Oh my gosh, it's so good. Why is it so good? It's me. Like that scene is really good. So, uh, soul. 
Beautiful. I, I also had that as my honorable mention. I also had uh, Michael Keaton's multiplicity when his <laughs> yeah. clones are discovering pizza and he's like licking it. He's like, I like pizza. I like pizza. You know, <laughs> kind of like the, the really spastic version of himself. And then I also had Miss Congeniality uh, with Sandra mm. Bullock. I know I give her shade sometimes, but man, was she good in that movie? And she was. All of the all of the models, they uh, all the contestants, they, they're they like, pizza! And they, they just go for it. It's like, first they're like, nervous about it and Sandra Bullock's like I'm starving this is great and it's just a wonderful play on characters and plot advancement right there yeah definitely good picks all around I'm sure we missed some I know we missed some so oh yeah let us know uh, I actually posted about it on social today so you can comment on that post you can uh, let us know if you're watching this on YouTube in the comments whatever you want to do just let us know you can DM us your pizza picks we want to know what scenes we missed because I want to watch them. I want to know. I want to know what scenes they are. I want to see them. And I want to get hungry for pizza because pizza is the best. It's the best thing that we have in this world. So um, that's it. That's our episode this week. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, Quick reminder, if you have not gotten a chance to check out our new web series, Spilled Popcorn, you can do so by going to our YouTube page, which is Popcorn for Breakfast on YouTube. And um, you'll see all four of our episodes there. We are walking through episode recaps and analysis of WandaVision, the Marvel Cinematic Universe show on Disney+. Plus. Um, we're getting deep into the weeds there. Our most recent episode was a lot of fun, talking about the big cameo that happened. So you'll want to check that out. And uh, we'll have another one for you early next week after episode six airs this Friday. I can't believe we're already six episodes into WandaVision. It is flying by. So... If you're enjoying that show, come enjoy it with us on Spilled Popcorn. Um, Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to our channel. We would very much appreciate it. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever, make sure you hit that subscribe button and download our episodes. We would very, very much appreciate it. Um, As always, a big special thank you to our executive producer, Mr. Ryan Spriggs. And also, a special thank you to our music, which is by the group Rhetoric. Check them out on Apple Music and Spotify. We will see you guys next week. Talk to you then. Talk to you then.